uh, there are a lot of journeyers, seekers, people that have no idea how to eat mushrooms and are just kind of throwing them back with little instruction, a little intention. And, you know, one of the things that I really love and you see it through PGN Psychedelic Guide Network is sharing wisdom and sharing education. And making these things more accessible and so the intention with HTEM was to provide a lot of education and value for anybody uh, whether they're um, patients or solo journeyers or spiritual journeyers welcome to the mindfulness experience podcast I'm your host Keith Fiveson today we have a special guest with us Ashley Carmen who's an LMFT and the owner of the Psychedelic Guide Network. She's also a therapist herself, and Ashley has a unique approach to psychotherapy that takes into account the mind, the body, emotions, the energetic body, and spirit. She's also a member of the emerging alternative paradigm shift in the medicine space, which is evident in our work with psychedelic medicine and online education through htem.com. We'll find out a little bit more about that. I uh, know Ashley uh, through uh, my work and through her Psychedelic Guide Network, and I'm really thrilled to have her with me. So without further ado, please welcome Ashley Carmen. Hey, Ashley, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Keith? I'm doing really well, and I'm very excited to have you here and uh, talk about the work that you're doing. Uh, I've been inspired by the work you're doing uh, because I really think you're bringing such a wonderful uh, perspective, a very grounded perspective, uh, to really look at the wisdom medicines and to look at them not only from a medical paradigm, but also, more importantly, from the indigenous view of where we've come from and where we are and where we might be going. What inspired you to pursue a career, um, you know, in clinical psychology and eventually transition into this emerging field of field of psychedelic medicine? Right. Yeah, it is. It is really important to merge the spiritual aspects with the clinical aspects and, you know, getting a degree in clinical psychology. What inspired me initially um, at the time wasn't really conscious, but um, as you know, our tapestry, childhood, history of experiences certainly lend themselves to uh, to what we end up doing in the rest of our life and our career. So I mm. grew up in um, somewhat of a dysfunctional family. I grew up in a family of addiction. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of um, emotional dysfunction, interpersonal skills that weren't really developed by my parents. and. Um, I think that that ultimately, like divinely, was uh, was a purpose for me getting into the psychology field as I found myself working with uh, women and populations in recovery, suffering from addiction and other traumas. Um, and so that's, you know, very briefly kind of what led me into the field of psychology and uh, getting my master's degree, my license as a marriage and family therapist making the transition into psychedelic medicine um, mm -hmm. that was inspired by seeing the over medicated clients patients mm -hmm. the over medicating mm -hmm. society that i was working with and helping treat with the behavioral intervention and really noticing the um, emphasis on a pharmaceutical intervention so mm -hmm. um, that's when i was really inspired to take up organic medicines actual medicines that mm -hmm. kind of bring together the holistic 
uh, view and integrate the holistic aspects of wellness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what you've done, uh, certainly in my experience, is you've really allowed uh, this area of uh, intimacy, the ability to really, um, you know, collectively collaborate in a way that I think is very, very inspiring. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing with the Psychedelic Guide Network? Because that's how I met you. I met you, I think I met you through the Psychedelic Science Convention, and then we wound up connecting. And then the next thing you know, I'm I'm really enjoying the meetings that you're putting together. So, you know, it's an association for professionals in the medicine space that you've created. And how how does it support facilitators and what are kind of some of the things that you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The Psychedelic Guide Network is a network that is aimed at um, supporting multidisciplinary teams Mm -hmm. of all the different types of psychedelic medicine guides. So this is... Uh, licensed psychotherapists, licensed psychiatrists, MDs, in peer-to-peer intervision groups mm-hmm. um, with energy healers, more indigenous native practitioners, uh, and spiritual practitioners. And we are really, um, one of the, one of the goals is to kind of decentralize so that there's not an over-medicalization of the psychedelic medicine. And I believe that that is done by sharing wisdom. And there's so much wisdom in this space and there's so much wisdom around consciousness tools and how to employ the consciousness tools, whether it be a spiritual approach, a medical approach, um, or even recreational, which you know may be controversial, but is another way to experience consciousness recreationally with psychedelic medicine. And so what I'm doing is I'm inviting in all these different guides from all these different backgrounds, orientations, and trainings, mm-hmm. and asking them to come together in what we call wisdom circles, mm. which are uh, organized like peer-to-peer consultation groups. We don't use consultation because it's a non-hierarchical culture. um, And it really is just a peer support intervision with your peers to talk about your professional work, which inevitably leads to your personal development also, because in this work, in the healing arts, you cannot be in the space with another individual relating to them without um, having some some of your personal, being aware of some of your personal stuff and processes. Mm-hmm. So you use this word intervision. You use that a couple of times, and uh, you know, uh, I'm wondering if you can, we can kind of, you know, break that down a little bit or unpack it. What does that word mean as we start to take a look at these circles, from your view, and how does it relate to? Yeah, you've also talked about doing personal work. How does that relate to, you know, the work in general in the psychedelic field? Yeah, I I think intervision is really important um, Mm -hmm. uh, for work within the psychedelic field. And when I say intervision, I'm meaning um, allowing vision onto your work from an inter group. Mm -hmm. So um, allowing your medicine practice and how you engage with your clients to be viewed from others within this inter circle, Mm -hmm. the wisdom circle. And that is incredibly important for medicine practitioners because um, when we think of things like countertransference mm-hmm. that come up within the work uh, with clients, especially in the psychedelic medicine space, um, where clients are more vulnerable, clients are open, mm-hmm. um, and just frankly, the psychedelic space is not governed right now. So there, there's a lot of opportunity for uh, dual relationships or ethical missteps. 
Um, but anyway, the um, the it's so incredibly important because we have blind spots. We're humans, mm-hmm. and our personal process um, can become can emerge within a relationship with the client. And mm-hmm. unless you're in a group where you're presenting your work, it's mm-hmm. really hard to have that reflected back to you. Mm-hmm. And so, with the psychedelic guide network, our wisdom circles, I, the intention is very much, and it ha- it is you know, playing out, um, is to create these safe containers, these safe mm-hmm. spaces for people to comfortably talk about, present their, their work with a client mm-hmm. in case presentations, and then get the vision, get the perspective uh, from the different guides in the room on their work. Not only to be mm-hmm. introduced to different modalities or different ways that some of the other guides might have handled uh, work with your client, depending on what they're presenting, but also to respectfully, safely, lovingly have your blind spots reflected mm-hmm. back to you. If there's things that should be considered that you hadn't considered mm-hmm. or you know weren't even aware of had mm-hmm. you been working in silo or without an intervision process. Mm-hmm. I really like I really like the use of that term and your ability to break it down because you know we all want to be seen, heard, recognized, and really understood and we do want the feedback you know and in most cases if if you're working on yourself you certainly want the feedback from other people in terms of the things that are uh, blind spots or the things that are you know kind of concerning you in one way or another and I've really found that in the circle that you uh, allowed me to be a participant in and i i really appreciate that mm, uh, honored it, it, honored to have you yeah, in that circle yeah and, and, and it, it really does work and it really does allow you or allow the individual to um feel more whole because you know through the circle or through the uh, coming together you kind of pick up pieces of what other people are doing and then it allows you to go ahead and fill in the gap so uh really very very powerful stuff from my experience uh what led you to uh can we unpack this htem.com and uh you know what led you to launch that and what are you know some of the key takeaways that you know clients might expect if they go online for you have online education on how to eat mushrooms so maybe we can start with what htem stands for and uh what what what's happening there yeah, yeah, HTEM, you you said it. How to eat mushrooms.com um mm-hmm. is a a platform that my fiance and I launched. Um I'd say we launched it about a year ago and we're still kind of developing the curriculum and exactly what to, seeing exactly what wants to be birthed mm-hmm. there. But the intention was to just provide education mm-hmm. on how to eat mushrooms. Uh, there are a lot of journeyers, seekers, people that have no idea how to eat mm-hmm. mushrooms and are just kind of throwing them back with little instruction, a uh, little intention. And, um, you know, one of the things that I really love and you see it through PGN Psychedelic Guide Network is sharing wisdom and sharing education and making these things more accessible. And so the intention with HTEM was to provide a lot of education and value for anybody, Mm -hmm. uh, whether they're um, patients or solo journeyers or spiritual journeyers, um, to provide some guardrails, some best practices, some things to consider, some things to be aware of within yourself if you're considering eating mushrooms, maybe some playlists, maybe some intention uh, journals or intention prompts. Mm -hmm. Um, So the intention is to provide 
uh, education on how to eat mushrooms.com. And it, mm -hmm. it really comes from that place of um, just sharing education and free education and more mm -hmm. available education on these psych on psychedelic medicine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, <clears throat> I was um, um, on a training program yesterday about psychedelics and end of life care. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the questions came up around uh you know well if we're talking about psilocybin how much you know how many mushrooms or what should you eat you know have you know how much should you take and someone said well you know maybe you should take five grams or ten and i was like whoa you know like end of life no you really want to start a lot lower so do you have on that website like some perspectives in terms of whether or not you want to microdose or whether or not you want to have a little bit of a, a, a you know a psychedelic experience or a heroic experience in that regard is that sort of the intention here yes that is the intention that will be on there we've yet to build it out so it's not mm -hmm. live right now but mm -hmm. absolutely Great. um dosing amount that sort of thing uh guidelines around it and you know the field really does have some kind of objective criterias or objective markers around dosing but i mm -hmm. i want to emphasize here that everybody is is still very different sure there are some things that we can themes that we can find but right. everybody really is very unique and personal and this is coming up for me right now uh probably not ironically because we had in one of our wisdom circles a, a guide um you know bring to our process his client who wasn't impacted at all by 10 or 12 grams mm, and the, wow. the client actually wanted to test out 30 grams and right, right. a dennis mckenna dose yeah right yeah <laughs> heroic dose uh times five so mm -hmm. um yeah so it's so i just maybe that client is an outlier there are certain uh mm -hmm. genes i think that we can test for that are related to metabolizing and sensitivity to the medicine so i think that is a bit of an outlier um but you know equally one gram can have just as much of an impact as five grams for some mm -hmm. people depending mm -hmm. on set depending on settings right. there's all these variables depending right. on resourcing depends depending on physiology so how armed how you are yeah yep yeah you know and so there are broad strokes i think that we can make but i always invite and advocate for the individual to test mm -hmm. for themselves also keep these things in mind um and test for yourself you know start with a half a gram and then maybe one and a half right. and then see what happens at two and a half there's also strains mm -hmm. to consider right. um fasting and and there's so many factors but um but yes that that website will have those those kind of broad strokes and what we have seen generally in the field Mm -hmm. And and of course, going into it in terms of preparation or you know set setting and integration, I think that a, a lot of people don't really give a lot of credence to how important the mindset is going into it. How how important the setting is in terms of trust, being able to let yourself go. Uh, you know, and if you're wound up a little uh, pretty tight and you've got a you know, pretty armored, as I said, you know, that can really inhibit you and inhibit the process a lot, don't you think? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's absolutely to be considered. If, mm -hmm. You know, how much concrete do we need a breakthrough to get to that mm -hmm. material that we're intending to work mm -hmm. with, the mm -hmm. armor that you right. describe, right. Um, definitely plays a role in, mm -hmm. in knowing also how, uh, you know, how much you want to be consuming. Mm -hmm. um, and the, you know, the importance of the the set 
Mm-hmm. It, this is the psychic material. And I'm sure as you know, maybe most of your listeners know, um, you know, what, what you're thinking about, what you're keeping present, what, what is your, what is present for you psychically? That's, you know, they're non-specific amplifiers, but these, this is the material that's going to get amplified. So if you can prepare your set mm-hmm. psychically for, um, for material that you're wanting to work on through preparation by writing and journaling about your intention, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, taking a look at photos around your intention. If you're you're wanting to um, you work around grief or work around a past relationship, you got to really prepare for this and get and get those get that material present in your psyche. And that that is part of preparing the set so that when you go into this space, that is what's going to be um, amplified and what you'll be working with. Hopefully, right. like they really right. do. Hopefully. Hopefully. have their own spirit right like right. we're not telling the medicine what right. hopefully that's what comes up but generally you know you'll see even if it's kind of symbolically or not directly related you'll if you have good integration you'll be able to kind of interpret and work with yourself and see how some of the things that came up were related yeah. to that yeah. intention yeah. and i like what you say hopefully you know you can go into it with a set of intentions and then all of a sudden you go what what was that oh my yeah. goodness what <laughs> curveball what was, what was that all about <laughs> And then, you know, it's, of course, something that you have to unpack a little bit later and you unpack for the next year, just kind of going, oh, now I get it. Oh, yeah. I I tell my clients, um, you know, uh, I hope that you get everything that you uh, want and but you most certainly will definitely get everything that you need. Right. There is a difference between going into a space, wanting something and then leaving with what you needed, which might not have been what you wanted and reconciling that. Yep. Yep. You can't always get what you want. But if you try, sometimes you just might find you get what you need. What you need, yeah. yeah. Beautifully put. <laughs> so you know, I was—I have to say, uh, Ashley, that you know, I've—I've uh, I've been very uh, moved, touched, and inspired by you personally, mm-hmm. because of your personal story and your openness and your vulnerability. And I really do get a sense that you know you really want to invite people to the table you know, to really um, dine and really feel safe and inclusive. Uh, I'm wondering for you, you know, in your mind's eye and uh, in the work that you're doing, do you have like certain problems that you're trying to solve for clients or do you have an intention in terms of, you know, specifically um, what you want to do that might set you apart from others? Because this seems to be like one of these, you know, fast moving, emerging spaces there are a lot of organizations out there that are trying to come up with a next new thing or the next new class or the next new project i'm just wondering from your viewpoint i have my own perspective but i'm i'm hoping that you can give your sense of you know what 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 is your your heart song Hmm. in this in this area uh and what you would hope that people you know, get and uh, maybe, you know, take away. Yeah. You know, I'm really hoping um, for two things. One mm-hmm. is um, to really inspire um, sovereignty mm. of everybody, sovereignty of the guide, sovereignty of the journeyer and the seeker. seeker. And w- when I say sovereignty, I mean freedom of choice to experience consciousness tools. Mm-hmm. Um, Right now, there's a uh, the medical the medical model is ushering in psychedelics, and mm-hmm. that's you know understandable. And I am grateful for that. 
Um, but it, it's really becoming um, the only way that people are being able to engage in consciousness tools uh, mm. is through the medical model. And mm -hmm. I, I believe in the journeyers and the seekers' uh, ability to freely choose how they want to engage, whether it is in a clinic mm -hmm. or in a hospital or with a licensed medical provider, or if it is on their own accord journeying by themselves, granted having enough education to do so, um, or if it is with an indigenous, native, or more spiritual, religious approach, mm -hmm. um, that sovereignty is so important uh, for me. And so I, you know, that's kind of like what I envision and what I'm hoping to support. Um, and I'm kind of accessing that through sovereignty of the guides. And when I say sovereignty of the guides, I mean sovereignty of freedom, of practice. I'm hoping mm -hmm. to preserve and protect the freedom of practice mm -hmm. that guides can um, choose how they want to practice with this medicine, mm -hmm. regardless of credentialing and licensing. Not that those things are important. That's another conversation about governing boards and public safety and mm -hmm. things of that nature, quality of experience, tenure. Um, but there, there should also be um, I envision, I hope to support a place where these practitioners are introduced to not just the medical models approach, mm -hmm. but also all of these other amazing practitioners. And it doesn't even feel fair to just kind of make it binary and like clinical or spiritual. There's so mm -hmm. many other ways that I'm not even naming to mm -hmm. approach these tools. So freedom of practice and sovereignty of the guide to be able to practice how they want. Um, and through the mm -hmm. network, I'm hoping to just introduce all mm -hmm. of these guides from these different arenas to each other and to let them follow their own breadcrumbs. I'm not for any one way. I'm for diversifying. And that's the second mm -hmm. thing that I'm really hoping for and envisioning mm -hmm. uh, through this network is <clears throat> the multidisciplinary team and the diverse, everybody mm -hmm. dining at my table, the the diversity within, within the field, mm -hmm. all of these diverse practitioners, guides coming together and sitting at the same wisdom circle, sharing wisdom. So, um, yeah, that, that's what, what comes up for me. And that's really kind of the foundation of um, what inspired me to, to build the network. And, um, you know, there's another piece in there about zooming out and with the whole, uh, you know, when it comes to politics and legalities, when it comes to psychedelics, that's another conversation. But um, that is the intention of what my heart's desire is uh, mm. for mm -hmm. the movement and, and how I'm hoping to shift the paradigm. So when you, you talk, I have to take that in for a moment uh, and uh, really take a look at it. So, you know, when I when I hear you talking about it, I kind of look at the um, the the paradigm or the um, the universe, if you will, all of the constellation. I'd like that term, the constellation mm -hmm. of practitioners uh, coming under the psychedelic guide network and really when you start talking about sovereignty, you know that's a that's an interesting word. What you're what I hear you saying is that to be able to sit at the table in this constellation, and to be able to feel that, you know, that no matter what your practice is or what your view is, you can get something from someone else, and you yes. can bring it into your own practice, and that you can be seen and heard and recognized based on your practice as it is and then get the coaching and the guidance that you might need to maybe fine-tune it to up it and that might include everything from indigenous wisdom to medical wisdom 
and being able to go ahead and create a container that really feels right for the individual. Did I did I reframe yeah. that in a way that makes some yeah, sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I've had breathwork facilitators that have no mm -hmm. prior experience working one on one with people, and they've completed six months of a breath breathwork mm -hmm. uh, program, and now they're exploring using psilocybin in their practice mm -hmm. and. They're sitting in a room with other licensed protectioner, pr practitioners that have mm -hmm. trauma-informed care, have a greater knowledge on ethics. And so there's an, and these medical practitioners can also take something from the mm -hmm. breathwork facilitator. So yes, you are recognized and honored and appreciated in your wisdom. Please sit on your li lily pad of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that that is also the culture um, mm -hmm. because we're non-hierarchical. Everybody is believing in the innate good of the other practitioner and everybody's mm -hmm. encouraged to share from wherever they're at, whatever mm -hmm. level, yeah. however many years of experience, training, mm -hmm. you're encouraged to, you're empowered in your wisdom to mm -hmm. share with everybody in the room and, um, and take what, what works for you mm -hmm. and leave what does it. Mm -hmm. Um, but certainly in these communities that form the wisdom circles and larger community, when it's done right, there's an, uh, a built-in infrastructure of checks and balances. Mm -hmm. So we all approach each other assuming the innate good um, mm -hmm. of the other's actions mm -hmm. and we respectfully challenge each other. And, and that's what leads to more uh, ethical facilitation mm -hmm. and that's what leads to harm reduction is mm -hmm. vulnerably being open to that process, sharing your wisdom and being open to the checks and balances from the community, which I don't have to do or anybody that's leading the space doesn't have to do the community mm. will naturally do it within themselves mm -hmm. so there's that opportunity for evolution for uh change for being able to go ahead and uh really uh, as you say it's sort of like picking up uh, going to the buffet and really understanding what your plate is or seeing what really is attracting you to the space and you know maybe some things attract you other things don't but you really do have a sense that you're okay uh, doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. picking up things that you might have been missing from your practice. That breathwork right. facilitator has exactly. no idea what an informed consent is mm -hmm. or looks like. Mm -hmm. Had no idea about a code of ethics and if that mm -hmm. should be a part of their practice or not. So, mm -hmm. and when people are introduced to these things, they're like, oh, that is a great idea. I feel safer mm -hmm. if I provide some of these things. That feels more responsible mm -hmm. if I was to incorporate some of these mm -hmm. things. So, mm -hmm. yes, going to the buffet and also being introduced to some maybe kind of standard things um, that should be frameworked uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to engaging this kind of an intimate right. relationship creating with the, another. Creating the boundaries within the container, yeah. So helpful. So, so, so along that line, I know that you've got some experience working uh, with uh, Juvenile Hall, right? You've got this background experience and you've also got some work in the corporate medical area. How has that helped you to mm -hmm. really shape your career or your direction, uh, having that kind of background. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in two ways that, mm -hmm. that come up, I'm sure in many ways, but two mm -hmm. ways that are coming up for me right now, working in juvenile hall, um, I was working within the system. I was working in a government system. Um, I was working with a lot of trauma. Uh, these are incarcerated adolescents that, mm -hmm. you know, they're incarcerated for a reason. You can imagine the amount mm -hmm. of trauma. This was in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm -hmm. I worked with a lot of C-sex, sexually exploited children, mm -hmm. um, a lot of children in foster care. Um, and these children were also highly 
self-medicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked uh, at uh, three years at a residential rehab, an inpatient mm-hmm. program with women in recovery, detoxing. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, this was a government-funded program, San Francisco Bay Area. I was working with homeless women from the Tenderloin, mm-hmm. prostitutes mm-hmm. from East Oakland, gang members from Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of trauma, and mm-hmm. also being a government-funded program, uh, a lot of in, a lot of clients dependent on the system. So mm-hmm. a lot of over-medication. Mm-hmm. Um, working in corporate medicine, I actually sought out that that position to work with a higher functioning, mm-hmm. quote unquote, higher functioning population, people that could afford insurance, and um, right. were a part of that that system and. I worked in their emergency room writing 5150 holds, mm-hmm. and I also worked uh, in their psychiatry department running the dialectical behavioral therapy program mm-hmm. and Did saw clients, mm-hmm. patients one-on-one, patients in that mm-hmm. setting, and um, also uh, mm-hmm. over-medicated. There was a huge mm-hmm. push mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me as the behavioral right mm-hmm. talk therapist mm-hmm. to also provide a uh, referral to the, pharmaceut- to the psychiatrist for the mm-hmm. pharmaceutical intervention. Mm-hmm. And so working within the system, um, I saw how the establishments uh, were just a bit archaic and um, just weren't really set up well for wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and working with all those different populations, I saw the, as I mentioned kind of earlier in the show, uh, the pharmaceutical, the overmedicated society. So that's right. also what pushed me into, into psychedelic medicine. And I'll also tie in just my personal experience with my family. You know, my father has been addicted to methamphetamines my whole entire life. Mm. He's been in and out of prison. My brother is currently in prison. My mom has severe medical issues and weight issues. Mm. And um, Mm -hmm. she has a lot of, you know, pills and medications that she takes Mm -hmm. for her mood and her health. And they're they're just not getting well. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to speak about sovereignty, I also have to speak about responsibility. So I'm not completely Mm -hmm. dependent on the system to make my family well. Mm -hmm. It's also their free will as a sovereign Mm -hmm. being to take responsibility for their own wellness, as I did, right? Growing up in that environment, I figured it out how to get to my wellness. You're the CEO of your own (laughs) body, mind, and spirit. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I do place some of that responsibility and onus on them. But had they been, Mm -hmm. you know, living within a society... Um, or systems that were more um, dedicated to their wellness and their health, mm-hmm. not so focused on punitive measures or pharmaceutical interventions. Mm-hmm. You know, could there have been change? I'll never know. Uh, but you know, that really inspires me to change the system and to provide mm-hmm. a different paradigm where, mm-hmm. um, you know, our our society exists within to really mm-hmm. get well. Mm. So what I'm hearing you say is, you know, having come through not only the system, whether or not it's, you know, working with people and women in the tenderloin, sex workers, so on and so forth, or working with high functioning, quote unquote, high functioning corporate executives who may be still acting out, you know, with drinking, drugging, eating, sex and spending, whatever, you know, really going through that medical model, you came out of it kind of looking at your own experience and kind of saying, you know, well, you know, where is the sovereignty? You know, where is the self response? Where's the self-efficacy? This, where, where are people working on themselves to go ahead and change their lives? And why is there this dependency? 
and really then looking at the medicine as you've already done your own journey work and looking at that as a as a as a tool to mm. go ahead and gain sovereignty in some way shape or fashion is that a, yeah. a, fair, a fair recap that's a fair re recap and i love that you tied in the sovereignty piece with the plant medicines also mm. and psychedelics because i mm -hmm. you know this is my personal experience that the plants really do return you to yourself and return you to your sovereignty. They're not your gurus. Mm. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they have their own wisdom and our teachers, mm -hmm. but really for me, at least what I've learned is that, you know, I am, uh, God in a non-egoic way. You're right? the like, creator. Is, you are the creator. Yes, you are I am the creator, creator, the creator of my reality. Yeah. If the it's going to be, experience. it's up to thee. Yeah. Yeah. And I witness God in you, right? You are also God in your own creator yeah, and we are all connected unity yeah. consciousness, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah, it also returns me to my responsibility as mm -hmm. I connect with that essence. Mm -hmm. And I also become aware of the work that I now need to do. Mm -hmm. Not the plants aren't going to do the work. The psychedelic experience, that day-long journey isn't going to get the work done. I also now need to take responsibility from what was so generously highlighted to me and my mm -hmm. attention and focus was placed on. Mm -hmm. I need to take responsibility um, to take action and to integrate and to apply that into my life. If I really do want medicine, I am my medicine. I tell my clients, you are your you medicine. You are the medicine. Yeah. You are the medicine. That. Love that. And so, yeah, and yeah, and, and also with the systems, how can the systems be better? You know, sure, people are really dependent on the systems, um, maybe by design or not, or just lack of personal responsibility. But um, how can these systems be better mm -hmm. uh, in supporting people that really need support without making them dependent? Mm -hmm. Right. So there is that, you know, there is, a, I, I love the idea of, you know, I, a lot of people would say, oh, blasphemy, you know, I am the God, you know, with small g, whatever. You know, but we are the creators, right? We are based on our perception, our our Constantly. ability to energize. We are able to then aspire and sweat our pursuits into the world. So, you know, that, but, you know, I like that old phrase, you know, God moves mountains, but you have to bring the shovel, mm, you know? So there, there, it's a great phrase. And the, the idea being is that, yeah, if I can see it and I can believe it, then I can achieve it. I am the one that has to do that. I can't rely on other people to do that. I have to take back my power to be empowered. I'm wondering from your view, what techniques or practices do you recommend for people who are navigating uh, this kind of paradigm shift where they may have been in the system, you know, the they, they, they may have been disempowered and now they're moving into a phase of recognizing themselves, recognizing their own uh, responsibility to take that power back and, you know, uh, moving in back into the mainstream because there is that, there is that sort of sacred space where you may be doing medicine or you may be involved, whether or not it's meditation or medicine, it's a sacred space. And then how do you then bring that back into the mainstream you know, of, uh, of America into your daily life, back into your hometown, if you will, That's right. you know, what, 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 what kind of tools or what kind of things do you recommend or practices, uh, do you have techniques, if you will? I recommend one small step at a time. Mm -hmm. Behavior change mm. is incredibly hard. Mm. 
And if I could just use a very um, watered down example of going to the gym, mm. you know, it's it takes so much energy and effort to get if you're out of practice and not in the habit of going to the gym, it takes so much energy and effort to get to the gym that first day mm-hmm. and then the second day and then the third day to keep going. To establish that new habit requires um, an exhaustion and a use of energy. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that it takes three weeks to build a habit six um sorry six weeks to create a habit three months to create a lifestyle Mm. and when you finally get into that lifestyle there's no more or very little energy required to repeat that habit because you're in you're in the lifestyle of it it's just second nature so that's the first thing that i you know would um recommend because the next thing i'm going to recommend may you know feel uh, counterintuitive to that, which is taking a look holistically, which is a very watered down term, but mm-hmm. taking a look holistically at every area of your life, mm. looking at your mind and your mind practices, your mood, looking at um, your environment uh, and nature, connecting with nature, looking at your body, mm-hmm. uh, taking doing work with your body, looking at spirit, what's your relationship to spirit, whether that's higher consciousness, God, religion, whatever that is, that mm-hmm. sacred space that we're talking about, what's What's the practice that continues to connect us Mm -hmm. to that? And then finally, relationships and connection Mm -hmm. and working holistically on all these different areas without medicine. This is an approach I took without psychedelic medicine with my clients is this holistic approach, looking at these five different areas and just making one small change. There will be glaring areas that need repair. Clients would come in in the middle of a divorce or not talking to their son. So clearly we need to work on the relationship Mm -hmm. piece first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But eventually we then start taking a look at food and nutrition and hydration and Mm -hmm. nature um, Mm -hmm. and exercise or body practices, whether that's Mm -hmm. massage or getting a gym membership, Mm -hmm. mind practices. Is that yoga? Is that breathing exercises? Is that a meditation practice? Is that Mm -hmm. a journaling? Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways that you can, so many different techniques and tools that you can use within each holistic area. Mm -hmm. But um, making one small change in one area at a time that feels like the low-hanging fruit um, and then eventually Beautiful. taking a look at all these other areas because they're they're uh, it's all part of the tapestry mm-hmm. um, and one small change will certainly impact the other areas as well because we are all you know as above so below we're all connected and this is how right. I also view that process is right. you start eating better well you're probably going to be inspired to start um, to start working out a little bit more. If you're vice versa, right? You start working out, you're going to be inspired to start. So it's a trickle down effect and a domino effect of sorts. But so bringing move that a, into move your a, move a muscle, change a thought, just uh, make small changes, and then that becomes a lifestyle change. I, yeah, I absolutely. Love that. I you really love your, that. You change your environment. You change the top five people that you're surrounding yourself with, it's going to have ripple effects. You're inevitably going to start thinking differently or viewing things differently. Mm -hmm. I have so many plants in my house Mm -hmm. because I enjoy. I I, I, I love plants. (laughs) Yeah. I feel, I feel different, you know, with nature in my house and around me. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're able to water them. I feel so guilty when I feel like I've missed the day. Yeah. My plants are yelling, come on, what haven't you thought about me? What's going on? You know, bad plant daddy. (laughs) Bad plant daddy. (laughs) Yes. I don't like that. So so um, you know, I hear uh your philosophy on healing without medicine to really be uh very much more empowered to make these small changes one step at a time and be more mindful you know we have a a very integrated approach it's in my practice it's the mind the body the spirit 
the fuel, what you put in your body, the ability to rest, to find little respite moments. Those are all of your internal empowerments. And then to be able to use those to be inspired, to aspire, to go into the world, you know, write down your dreams, whatever they may be, have the right relationships, change your environment, you know, get rid of the people who are energy suckers, take right. life away from you and move and start to really change the dynamics, if you will, Frequency. the energy, if you will, yep. which is very, very, very important. How do you envision the future of mental health and wellness, mm. particularly in respect to the field of uh, psychedelics, the emerging field of psychedelics? Do you think we're in for a change? Do you, when do you think it might happen? What do you think is going to happen? Because obviously the medical model still is a medical model where things are maybe perhaps broken, maybe need some fixing. Uh, but, you know, there is this whole uh, groundswell in terms of the underground. I don't know if that's going to go away. But what what are your thoughts about this? Uh, now that you have the Psychedelic Guide Network, I'm, I'm really interested. You seem to be a visionary. So, oh, Thank you for that. Yeah, it's it's such a, a large question. And mm -hmm. I have my thoughts and my ideas and my visions. And I'm also well aware that I have also have no idea how to implement on mainstream mm -hmm. universal level for our nation a healthcare mm -hmm. system but mm. you know i i am of support at least in this moment and it's always ever changing as i learn more mm -hmm. um for decriminalization for mm -hmm. legal uh use and for a plethora of education to be provided and um and letting individuals seek out the medical model should they choose that and the medical model um yeah having uh, the medical model having psychedelic medicine as part of their practice and having well informed from this multidisciplinary approach mm -hmm. um licensed practitioners that can um you know, at least have have some knowledge of the different ways of approaching this or, um, you know, I'm, I'm still working it out and processing it. But I, I also think it would probably be OK if the medical model, mm -hmm. you know, was practicing how the, the medical model wanted to practice as long as the individual had access to other ways mm -hmm. of exploring their consciousness. Mm -hmm. Because it can be used for obviously mental health, which is what mm -hmm. it's being researched for, um, and uh, and so I mm -hmm. think that 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 should be available in the medical model. Mm -hmm. um, and when we start talking about a medical model, I mean, I'm you know one of the things I've just done is I've just put up a petition because I'm a veteran and I uh, facilitated, I moderated a panel over at uh, Wonderland on uh f you know veterans and first responders and ketamine assisted psychotherapy you know and the government's not even i mean it's been legal for quite some time but the government doesn't the vha doesn't pay the benefits around that insurance companies don't support it so as a result of that many vets if they are able to get the money go offshore to go ahead and deal with their ptsd or trauma so yeah. what I hear you talking about is, is certainly the medical model makes sense from a psychotherapeutic perspective, from the ability to really sit with someone and to help them, you know, really uh, unravel 
the trauma and the 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 bind the the shame that really binds them in so many ways yes uh, but yet at the same point there are there's this other level of transcendence right mm. there's this other level of being able to open up your consciousness and you know be connected with the ineffable you know right there there's yeah. a a percentage of our population that could benefit from psychedelics that are finding that with all the trauma for mental mm -hmm. health that are finding their baseline and then there's mm -hmm. another percentage of our population that would benefit that don't need to find their baseline they're functioning well enough but want to optimize or potentiate their mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. and might not need a medical intervention or somebody mm -hmm. licensed to sit with them so maybe it's more of a coach that they're looking yeah. for a psychedelic or, coach or, or, or a coach. group work or something yeah. like that. Yeah. or a community or they want to join a psychedelic church you know however they want to experience experience that the, the other thing that came up for me is we're talking about medical model insurance is mm -hmm. it's so expensive also and mm -hmm. um i understand the need for empirically validated methods which is mm -hmm. i think where a lot of the funding is is going to mm -hmm. um and it it also boggles my mind that this is a you know i feel like it's a god-given right this is mm -hmm. a, a fruit of earth that mm -hmm. everyone right. a mushroom have, you can yeah. grow mushrooms in your backyard right yeah. that everybody should have access to it and the it just it if mm -hmm. we could figure out and again I'm, I'm not the person actually figure it out i can hold the vision but to where it's so accessible financially mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. these underground rates are kind of skyrocketing and very expensive limited people have access to it just because of the the price mm -hmm. of the experience and so right. there's got to be something there around cost and accessibility and for populations like yourself veterans who really served our country and could use the support um mm -hmm. and not have not have to break their bank going to an underground practitioner seeking this oh, it's support. crazy it's uh you know three thousand thirty five hundred five thousand set depending yep. upon where you whether or not you want the spa experience right. or whether or not you you know and and then if you get the shaman experience really depending upon whether or not it's a neo shaman or a real shaman or where you're going or whether or not you're doing it in your you know with your friends and you're you know you're yeah. you're having a, a or in a church to a 508c1a you know and that particular experience might be much less expensive based on donation but still um it's uh it's interesting isn't it you know, it is interesting and I, I i wish for the medical model to have mm -hmm. um an insurance providers mm -hmm. to have that figured out financially mm -hmm. so that anybody can really yeah. you know get similar to getting an antibiotic for an infection they can kind of go right. in and sit with somebody and have that right. that experience financially right. you can available. you can get ssris or opioids right. but exactly. but why 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 can't you get the very thing that helps you to kick those things out of the gate and really have a more normal life yeah yeah and have less not i wouldn't even call them side effects have less effects right because yes. these ssris yeah. and other psychotropic meds certainly have yeah. harsh yeah. side effects yeah. um yeah. and something it's because it doesn't have the addiction profile i don't know but you know that's just my theory but these organic mm. medicines don't have that uh, addiction profile they're not mm. people are not going to be lifetime consumers of um no. of these psychedelics yeah. in the way yeah. that people have become dependent and lifetime consumers of pharmaceuticals yeah i mean with uh i mean one of the things that i'm very aware of is to your point you know wisdom medicines are really about neurogenesis neuroplasticity being able to make new neural pathways you know to reboot reset reframe have a broader perspective 
on your own traumas and then you know be able to go ahead and make some changes in your life that really allow you to go okay i've got that yep i I understand what happened i feel it i understand it i love myself and let me go forward and try to do something new yeah right so that's great so as we start winding down here i'm wondering what advice would you give someone you know if they're considering a career and uh, whether or not it's psychology or the medicine space and you know what qualities do you think are essential uh, for success in this field i think a, a quality that's essential is sitting with your own medicine whether mm. that be if you're a mindfulness practitioner you have mindfulness practices mm. or if you're serving psilocybin you have sat with with psilocybin and I think that's also a great place to start, you know, without legally implicating yourself, you know, mm-hmm. not advising anybody to go do anything illegal. But um, if you're curious about some of these medicines and you're feeling called to mm-hmm. some of the medicines, go experience it first and sit with it and develop a relationship with it and really mm-hmm. understand if that's a medicine that you want to be in service mm-hmm. to uh, and steward for others. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it go deep in that practice and then see i think we also have some time people that are getting into this space now we don't really know what is gonna play out in terms of what's going to be recognized mm-hmm. you know nationally or um on a federal level state level local level we're art you know we're seeing different things in different states mm-hmm. be recognized so there's a lot of money being poured into education for certificates, but these pieces of paper, I love the education piece, but we don't know what that's going to allow you access to or not access to. So I think that there is some time as we go through the legislative processes um, and figuring out what it looks like above ground for people to um, wait and see what what kind of plays out. And in the meantime, sit with the medicine, get these experiences and experience different Mm-hmm. practitioners different guides mm-hmm. and different ways of uh working with the medicine that you're feeling called to mm-hmm. beautiful beautiful ashley carmen psychedelic guide network how do people get a hold of you um psychedelic guide network on instagram psychedelic guide network.com um, i'm also on linkedin under ashley carmen beautiful beautiful well uh again thank you so much for your wisdom and for setting up the space for uh psychedelic practitioners people who are really investigating this area uh and uh you know i I think there's much more to learn and much more for us to do as we go forward and i really appreciate it absolutely so grateful for the invitation thank you also keith for all of the work that you're doing and uh, for being a part of this space and this movement thank you Thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us today and sharing your wisdom and your guidance to our listeners. It's clear that your approach to psychotherapy and dedication to improving the well-being of clients is truly inspiring. I'm sure our listeners will find your insights on the emerging field of psychedelic medicine and the new paradigm shift in health and wellness to be incredibly thought-provoking. For those interested in learning more about Ashley's work, be sure to check out her website at Psychedelic Guide Network and follow her on her social media. Until next time, this is Keith Fiveson signing off on the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. Thank you.